Welcome to the Black Knight Nation podcast. I'm Sal Interdonado. The Black Knight Nation podcast is sponsored by Higher Echelon. Higher Echelon is a world-class consulting firm that trains employees in sports psychology secrets that drastically improve work performance. Founder Joe Ross is a retired Army who played fullback at Army and later coached at Army, coached the position at West Point, and puts that experience to good use. Higher Echelon helps organizations shave hundreds of hours off work time and save and make more money by walking them through technology transformations, including organizational-wide change management. So we thank our sponsor, Higher Echelon, and then we bring on our special guest for tonight, Major General D.A. Sims. He is the commanding officer of the 1st Infantry Division, the Big Red One, whose uh, jerseys we saw uh, – Saw the big red one represented in the Army's Army Navy jerseys in 2019. Uh, DA, thanks for the time. Really appreciate it. Yeah, Sal, really excited to be here. Appreciate you asking me too. Oh, no problem, man. We joked around. You joked around and said that, you know, it must not be Army football season if we asked you on. But from what I heard, you're like this super Army football fan that we just had to get, talk to on, on the Black Knight Nation podcast. Yeah, I, I, um, you know, I'm probably my my classmates would probably tell you that you know they're as fired up about it. I, I you know, I grew up with it. Um, I was around it from the moment I was born, and so I'd like to think that everybody is as fired up about Army football as I am. And um, sometimes I'm disappointed by that. You know, I, you go to a, you go to an Army Navy game, it doesn't seem like everybody's in the game. We're down by a couple touchdowns, and it gets you fired up, and you want to scream, "Let's go! Let's get in the game!" But you know, I've, I've learned to control it. So uh, yeah, anyways, great to be here, Sal. Absolutely. First, uh, maybe we should get into a little bit of your, your family history. Your dad, you talked about being around Army football since you were born. Your dad, a West, a West Point grad, right? Um, I guess talk a little bit about growing up in kind of that that Army type family and then going to West Point also and, and you know, going to school there and then uh, graduating from the academy. Yeah, my, um, you know, like you said, my dad is a graduate 1966, um, you know, really quite a class. The, uh, I, my dad, so I, I'm out here at Fort Riley, Kansas, about two hours from Kansas City. Both my parents are from just northeast of Kansas City, two small farm towns. My dad's just over a thousand. My mom's less than a thousand. And uh, had my dad not gone to West Point, he wouldn't have gone to college. I mean, that was that was kind of plain and simple. He, he wasn't going to go anywhere else. And his family certainly couldn't afford it. He had never been to West Point before he arrived, you know, out for our day. Um and then, you know, over the course of his life, uh, he retired as a lieutenant colonel. And, you know, he, he'd be in the Army today if the Army let him. You know, he just loved it so much. And I think, you know, he 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 accredited or credited uh, West Point with giving him an opportunity, you know, to change his life. And, I you know, and I've seen that. I'll tell you, it's interesting. I've seen that over my career, the exact same opportunity to kind of change trajectory of lives. Um, I've seen that personally, the same thing that happened to my dad. And so I think, you know, my dad – certainly an affection for the army and a huge affection for West Point. And, and I saw that growing up. I mean, I, I didn't know anything else other than West Point. I mean, the only, the only time you talked about another college when I was growing up is when you talked about how bad you were going to beat Navy. And, um, and so I, you know, I had army pennants on my walls. I, I, you know, army programs um, for football games. Um, I, I was thinking back before this, before talking to you today, I was trying to think back to kind of like my army Navy memories and, I was telling my wife, Faye, this morning, my first memory was a 1974 Army-Navy football game in, in Philadelphia. And I remember it because my, I remember my folks telling me, there's President Ford. 
and he was, you know, it was the old JFK stadium. And, you know, he was down several rows from us, but close enough that I could, I could tell it was the president of the United States. And, and I wasn't, that's 1964. So I was only six. I didn't really know the significance of that. I just knew that that was the president. And I can remember that. That's my first memory of army football was that army Navy game. Um, when I looked it up last night, because I, I was like, which one was it that Ford was at? And my dad was teaching there at the time. So it, it made sense that it would be 74. Um, we lost 19 to nothing. So, um, you know, I, I guess maybe not an auspicious start for me in terms of Army Navy records, but the one that I remember, um, the, at least the first one. And then I did. I, I grew up around it. My dad, as I mentioned, was in the Army. Um, I went to high school in Northern Virginia because he was stationed there. And um, I, I actually was going to to uh, to school to play baseball. So I had I was you know, I was dating this girl at the time when I was a senior. Her mom was a was a teacher. And she said, you know, hey, where, where are you applying to school? And I said, West Point. And she said, yeah, well, where else? I said, nowhere else. I mean, West Point. She goes, well, you, you can't do it like that. I mean, you got to apply to like a easy school, medium school, hard school, whatever. And I said, but why? I mean, I don't want to go anywhere to West Point. She said, well, what if you don't get to West Point? I said, well, why wouldn't I get into West Point? So I applied to a bunch of schools at that point. And, um, and then I was accepted to a couple and George Washington University um, talked to me about baseball. Army had talked to me about baseball. GW had talked to me about baseball. And Army, Army ROTC seemed like a good way to go. And I remember telling my dad I wasn't going to go to West Point. And, you know, he'll probably tell you that he, it didn't impact him. But, you know, I could hear the disappointment in my dad's, my dad's uh, you know, tone. And um, so I went to GW for a year. And then I got there. And as soon as I started, I realized I was in the wrong place. I mean, I wanted to be at West Point. So I, told, I called my dad and I said, Dad, I, I, I want to go to West Point. And he said, are you kidding me? And I said, no. He said, well, listen, if you get in, you, you got to go. I mean, you can't not go. And I said, no, I'm, I'm in. And so um, that was it. You know, I was in. And uh, it, as it turned out, it kind of neat. You know, it was tw exactly 25 years after my dad's class. So he was 66 and I was 91. Um, it's actually made it kind of cool since then. You know, my dad's 50th and, um, you know, it was my 25th. And uh, anyways, it's been special and, you know, certainly a nice connection between my father and I. But I, I, I think although I didn't need to go to West Point the same way my father did, I think in the long run I needed to go to West Point. I mean, it, it West Point has, has been a foundation of my of my life. And I certainly have been you know very, very pleased and blessed to to be associated with the academy. So, yeah. What do you think um, were the highlights of your cadet, you know, cadet life or your at West Point? What, what were some of the things that you remember the most, so to speak, about your time at West Point? Well, graduation. Um, I, you know, I, I, um, I had some really amazing classmates. You know, I, I think one of the things I learned about, you know, and I've seen it now in 30 years in the Army is, you know, that, that you don't see teamwork anywhere else like you do at West Point. I mean, you just don't. I, you know, you have to, you know, the, what is it, cooperate to graduate. And that, that starts at the very beginning when you're in Beast Barracks and, you know, you're relying on the, the men and women around you to, to help you get there. Um, and I did, I had, I had some amazing classmates. It's, it's been really neat too now, you know, to look back 30, 30 years into this and see, a number of those classmates who have had a profound impact on me, um, not just at West Point, but uh, but since, 
and then in the course of my life, just, uh, you know, as it relates to my family uh, or otherwise, you know, in combat and out, right? I mean, I, I've seen some of my classmates just in combat, just, I mean, do things that will blow you away um, and humble you, but just be so proud to be around them and to hear what they're doing and where they're at. And and so that that all started right there on our day, you know, at West Point. And, you know, I mean, there were, I mean, there were all kinds of things there. You know, my, my father, I mentioned, you know, he he said to me my yearling year, he said, hey, he says, I'm going to give you this car. You can bring this car back up to West Point. And I can tell this story now because Diane Piper, who was at the time, the um, she was the she was the dean's. Um, she was the I just got a knock on my window here. Uh, my apologies. She was the dean's. Um, secretary, Diane Piper. She had worked, my dad had taught phys ed and Diane at the time had been in the phys ed department. Uh, I think the admin assistant there. So when I, my dad says, Hey, I'm going to give you this car and uh, you can have this car up there. I said, dad, I can't have a car there. I'm a yearling. I can't have a car until I'm a senior. You know that. He said, he goes, no, 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 it's all good. He says, you're going to keep the car up at Diane's house. She lived off limits up in Newburgh. You keep the car up at Diane's house. It's got my officer stickers on it. So when you need it, you go up there and get the car and you bring it back and park it on post and no one, it, no one will be the wiser. And then you bring that thing back up to Newburgh and you drop that thing off before you know, the week starts. So I was like, dad, that is not going to work. I mean, it just will not work. Well, that's what I did. And on Friday I would go running on Washington. I think it's Washington Boulevard, you know, towards Washington gate. And Diane would pull up alongside I would leap into the back of her car and lie flat on the back of the car. She'd drive up to Newburgh and uh, I drive that car back and then I drive it back up there. I don't remember how we got ride back, but we use that car my yearling year, my cow year and the beginning of my first year. And uh, Diane Piper has since passed. She was such a wonderful woman. I mean, not just because she was helping me violate the regulations, I guess, but she just she was a really wonderful woman. She was she was like that with a lot of people. Um, but, you know, I so I remember that car and the places we went in that car and and uh you know, I remember passing classes and, you know, failing classes, but, but I'll tell you, I mean, I, you know, the reason that I know we're here tonight is really to talk about army football, but I mean, army football was just, it was a mainstay, right? I mean, you just, you really did. You looked forward to what was coming on Saturday, whether they were playing at home or, or away. Um, and, and every game was good, but none of those games mattered until the last one. And um, I had a classmate from high school played baseball with who had gone to the Navy prep school Annapolis. And uh, so we were the same class at West Point in Annapolis and we would meet behind the goalposts every year at halftime. We always had a bet. Um, he, I, I, to this day, I don't have a cadet robe, but I have a Navy, I have an Annapolis cadet robe that I won off of him plebe year. I've got his anchors that I won another year that are on that robe. Uh, and then I had a Navy sweatshirt and I think he won an army sweatshirt one year. We were three and one when, when I was at school and um, so when I go to Army Navy parties now, I wear that robe. And uh, he has also since passed. He was killed in a helicopter crash. And uh, and and I, you know, Ronnie Mobade, another another all star. Um, you know, just you talk about impacts in life. And you know, the game, the game, as much as it is a game, is just much more. It's just much more than that. You know, it's really just much more than that. Yeah, I mean, you, you sent us a picture of you and your dad. Um, the last time you could be in attendance for an Army-Navy game in 2019, um, and that's when obviously the Big Red One uh, was represented in Army's jersey. Um, 
later you would be um, you would you would uh, get command of the big red one. I mean, uh, I don't know if there's any kind of connection there, but uh, just just talk about what that what that meant to you um, first to 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 be um, you know the command what it means for you to command the big red one, the first infantry division, and then I'm sure going back to that game, seeing those jerseys represented on the field. Yeah, you know, I I don't know what the impetus was to begin the uh, the jersey uh, series, but gosh, it was smart, right? I mean, that that's I, I think I'm, I'm I'm fairly certain it started with Coach Munkin, um, you know, and I've I've since seen the the way that they tie the history and it's it's very well connected, um, but man, that was smart and just really really neat, and they've done such a neat job working to to make those uniforms and connect the uniforms to the army. I think. You know, they, they, you probably remember they used to wear, they used to wear a patch, uh, yeah. you know, on their Jersey and that was pretty cool. And, you know, now we've got the patch on the helmet to connect a, a, an active division to the, to the game. I mean, there are, you know, 11 divisions and there are 11 games. I mean, that works out pretty well. And I think the fact that you can highlight one of them at, at the Navy game, I think is really something. Cause I, you know, for a while, it just seemed like we were kind of grasping for straws, you know, during the, during the, the, the horrible dark years, um, you know, it, it seemed like we just were kind of looking for something. And now it seems like we found it. I, I actually, I, you, you know, on the video that there's one of them right behind me. That yeah. was a gift I got from another graduate kid named Mike Harrison that worked for me. He sent that to me. And um, I just think it's neat. I had no idea back then I was going to come to the first infantry division. And, um, you know, I, I will tell you, there's no chance we were going to lose that game. Those uniforms look so good. You know, that's yeah. like the, that's like the year I was at the game where they uh, I was at the game where they were wearing the 10th Mountain Whites and we were playing in the snow. Yeah. Same thing. Those uniforms are so cool. We, there's no chance you can lose. I mean, wait, there, wait, this joke when I was a lieutenant, I had a company commander at the 82nd Airborne that said the two keys to combat are fashion and dispersion. Always look good and stay the heck away from everybody else. And, and that's, you know, that, that's a joke. But, man, we look good. And, you know, when you walk out there, I was just playing golf in a tournament last week, and I, a couple of guys playing hadn't played a lot, but they look good. And I said, hey, man, when you walked up here in those pants, we just assumed you knew what you were doing. And, uh, you know, there's a little intimidation in there. So, um, anyways, it was neat. I just think the whole the whole part of, of, you know, connecting the uniforms to the Army is just really smart. I You know, the, the Army team, it is the Army team. And I think that um, – you know, we we tend to we tend to associate it at times with West Point, and with good reason. I mean, I, I get it. That, you know, the young men that play are, are at West Point, but but it is representative of the Army, and I, I think all the values that we hold so dear in the Army um, are certainly you know they they are they are so prevalent at, at West Point, and so if we can connect West Point uh, to the the larger Army in any way whether that's through our football team or a cross country team or however we're doing that, I think it's better for the army. Um, I, I guess the, the piece about being at the first infantry division that you asked Sal, I, gosh, I'll tell you, you talk about just an absolute honor. I mean, I, the, the men and women that are in this place are just, they just blow me away on a daily basis, right? I mean, from every rank, they just blow me away. I've got, um, so I went down, I went down the last two days. I, I did a, a down and, and back with my command sergeant major Ray Harris. We, we went down to, to uh, Miami. We've got a vaccine task force down there. So we've got two vaccine task forces right now, one down in Miami, one down in Dallas. By the time they're done, 
excuse me, by the time they're done, they'll have been down there about three months. And just between the two of them, they will have probably they will probably have administered uh, right around one million uh, one million shots. Um, you know, those guys, when those guys and gals, when they joined the army, they, I promise you that was never something they even thought about. But when I went down there and I've been down to Dallas, and now I've been down to Miami and you talk to these young kids. I mean, they're, they're really young kids, right? I mean, you got 18, 19 year old people down there, uh, medics in some cases and armor tankers and others. Um, and they're putting this whole thing together with, with, with FEMA and you ask them what they think. They're just, they're like, sir, wow. I mean, they're just, they're so excited to be down there. And then you talk to the older you know, men and women, the non-commissioned officers or, or the, the officers who have deployed to places like Afghanistan or Iraq or others. And, and they're like, sir, this is the first time in my career that I'm not helping a partner. I'm helping an American. And, um, you know, it just it kind of shatters you when you when you see that. And um, so everything from those vaccine task forces to, you know, preparations to, to go anywhere else overseas and, you know, to be connected to this history. I mean, 100 plus years of amazing history from World War One forward. It, it's pretty it's pretty it's pretty big deal. I'm really excited about it. And I think when, um, you know, you have those special jerseys for the Army-Navy game, that's what they try to touch on a little bit, right? The history of the, of, of the unit and the division. And I think that's what even makes it really even just amazing, amazing about those jerseys. They're, they're one of a kind. And, you know, yeah, Navy and Air Force try to – they do highlight their – their their uh, units and also too, but I mean those army <laughs> those army jerseys you don't get too much better than those. I mean, like you said, the tenth Mountain Division ones, man. Yeah, I was on the field for that field goal, that last second field goal for Navy, and just to see the emotion after that one pushed, you know, a little left in Army one. That that was incredible. I know you said you were in the stands. I mean, you probably seen a lot like lately under Jeff Muck, and you probably have. Uh, gotten to see a, a good a, a good amount of those type of wins, right? I mean, I don't know if you were there when they broke the Navy streak. Were you there when you, they broke the Navy streak? I, I wasn't. I was in Afghanistan that year. And, okay. Um, yeah, but good grief. Well, you you must have been in that one, in the stadium for that one. That's crazy. And when you're on the field, when you see cadets rushing out of the stands and Army fans rushing out of the stands, honestly, DA, I'm dodging people just to save my life. You know, I really am. I'm like, what the heck? And I'm trying, I have my phone out, right? And I'm like – trying to take video of it and it's all like crazy like swirling like you think i'm like you know on, a, on an amusement park ride you yeah. know you know it, it was just it was just a that was that was i, I say to this date that was my best experience covering any sport in my uh, journalism career i got to you know go down to the 2010 army armed forces uh, bowl game and see them beat smu there that was that was pretty good but i don't think anything tops that you know, that win. I mean, I that, no, I can't imagine. So I can't what? imagine. I, I was in Afghanistan and I, and I had a yeah. bunch of West Point guys with me. We were around a fire watching it. And I think the game ended, I don't know, like two, three in the morning, something like yeah. that. And I don't know that any of us went to sleep. I mean, for maybe for the next day, I don't know that any of us went to sleep. Yeah. I mean, it was such an emotional high. And that was really the sign that, hey, the program, this is the program has. The culture of the program has changed, right? That was the eight-win season. Now here we go. And then you look at, you know, under under Jeff Muck and wow, you know, 11, uh, 10 win season, 11 win season, 2020 uh, under COVID restrictions, pandemic, nine wins, and, you know, beating beating uh, Navy and Air Force on back-to-back -back weeks to win the Commander-in-Chief's trophy. I mean, 
Wow. Right. I mean, what, what were your thoughts on that when that happened? I mean, that's something that you'll, we'll probably never see again. Incredible. Yeah. Incredible. I told people, you know, we beat Navy and um, I was like, you know, who cares about Air Force? Right. I mean, I was like, they, we beat Navy and it was like, we're going to play Air Force now. I was like, you know what? I'm not even sure I'm worried about Air Force during the normal year. I mean, I, of course, I like to beat Air Force, but, you know, I don't I don't lose a lot of sleep over that game. But then when they beat Air Force, it was like, of course we did. Of course we did. I That was fantastic. I, I'll tell you, it was um, – what a year. I just think, you know, for the way that the, the Academy managed, you know, the, the virus in the fall – and uh, and you watch other schools do it, you know, and, and not succeed at the same level. And, you know, we've got some we've certainly got some advantages that schools don't. Right. I mean, our ability to kind of keep everybody in. But um, I just I thought it was great. I thought it was good for the Army. Again, I think anytime Army football is winning, it's good for the Army. Um, so, no, I, I thought it was great. I, you're right about great football games, too. You know, I, I went when they started this kind of premier, you know, power five game each year. We said, hey, let's go to those if we're near it. The first one against Ohio State, we had tickets to, and long story, we, we didn't make it. But we went the next year to Oklahoma. So I met my brother. A bunch of cousins came down from Missouri. My brother came up with some people from Texas, and we all got there. And so we get to the Oklahoma game. It, did you go to that game? Did you go to the I, did, uh, I wish I was there in the oh, town. Wow. Oh, my gosh. So we get to the Oklahoma game. We go to the big Army tailgate, and uh, and we're walking in. And everybody is so nice to us. Oh, we're so happy you guys are here. We love you. Thank you for our for your service. It's so neat that your little team could come here to Oklahoma and you get in the stadium and it's, you know, 80 something thousand people going crazy. And the people around us are just so nice. They're just wonderful people. And so I said to the guys behind us, I said, hey, fellas, I said, listen, how do those goalposts come down? And they said, what do you, what do you mean? And I said, well, when we win, is there like a is there a, like a pin that we pull out or do we have to pull them down? And the guy in back of me, he said, he slaps me. And he says, oh, my gosh, you guys, listen, if you win, we'll help you pull those goalposts down. In the fourth quarter, that guy tapped me on the shoulder. He goes, hey, we're not helping with those effing goalposts. And I just – because that's the way it was, right? And we were right there. And it was amazing. When we went to Michigan the next year, I took my daughter. My brother met me with his daughter. They were both college or high school seniors looking at schools. And so we did a college visit, and, and we went up there. Exact same scenario. Oh, you guys, we're so happy you guys are here. We love you. Fourth quarter, not a word out of any of them. So, anyways, it's just – it's a different attitude up there. Yeah, those were incredible games, and they were – I mean, those games could have ended in regulation for Army if things worked out right, and if that – wow. Um, but but you know what? Uh, the Oklahoma game especially, right? I mean, you silenced an 80,000 – and even in Michigan, you're 100,000 p- fans there, and you're silencing that crowd – at Oklahoma, I believe I'm pretty sure when the Army team left the field against Oklahoma, that the Oklahoma fans gave them a standing up. Right? They did. It was incredible. Yeah. They were so you know, and even when we were we, like we were going to win that game, right? And they knew we were going to win that game. Even then, they were never mean or mad about us. They yeah. were mad with their coaches. And yeah. Um, yeah, it was incredible. They were really, really generous, and 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 so were the Michigan fans. They were really wonderful to us too. Yeah, I don't want to be harsh, but it's almost that their feeling was like maybe we didn't win this game. We won the game, but maybe, you know, maybe in a way saying this uh, as, uh, 
you know, Army might have lost that. You know, they had chances to win, but just couldn't pull out the game, so to speak. Yeah, you know, yeah. Like it, um, it felt like wins. They both felt like wins. Like, you walked out and you were just so close, but you're like, boy, those 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 kids just played their hearts out. Yeah, and it happened in the bowl game, too, in 2020 against West Virginia. Was West Virginia on the level of Oklahoma and Michigan? No, but they're still a power five team with a ton of athletes. And, you know, Army um, was missing a couple of key players due to the COVID uh, restrictions. And, um, you know, they, they to the end of the game again. You know, the game goes to the end once one more time, you know. I mean, and now I think that, you know, let, let's talk about this, um, the recent news of last week. Um, right in your backyard with Jeff Munkin being considered for the Army head coaching position at Kansas and being a top candidate for that position. And um, just, um, you know, getting your thoughts, uh, you know, you're, you're, here's this, you're this Army fan. It's in your, it's in, it's in your state where you're um, leading, commanding a division of the Army. And uh, you don't want Jeff Munkin anywhere near you, right? No. I you Listen, I love Coach Munkin. I don't want him in Kansas. I, you know, I, it, first of all, you know, I, my guess is, I mean, anytime you're considered for a power five conference as a coach, that's an, a, that's an enormous deal. And, uh, and so, you know, good grief. He, he certainly is deserving of all, you know, those accolades and people talking about him. I mean, he's, he's just a wonderful, and, and listen, I've never met him. I, I don't know him. I, all I've seen is what I've seen and what I've read and, and from kids who have played for him, who have, who've since served with me, um, you know, he just, he's a winner. And, and, you know, the fact that the men that play for him love him so much speaks volumes to the kind of human being he is. Um, the fact that we're all concerned about him leaving and going anywhere, you know, speaks volumes to the impact he's had on that program. And then out here, you know, Fort Riley is right next to Manhattan, Kansas. I've become a huge K-State fan and, um, it would not have been good for K-State if coach Munkin had coached Kansas, because eventually Kansas would have been, you know, right up there. So, uh, so I'm happy for K State. I'm happy for Army. But uh, yeah, that was some that was some big stuff out here last week. Yeah, I, I'm guessing, like you know, just like me. I mean, we're looking. I mean, we're reading. We're hearing. We're we're thinking. Okay, it's very close to being a done deal. And then Friday, um, Friday morning, the news breaks that no, it's Buffalo's Lance Leopold. And I think like a lot of Army fans. Uh, uh, we're breathing a sigh of relief when that happened. Yeah, he was coming back because, you know, you look at it and, yeah, you look at, okay, in Munkin's seven years, this has been uh, one of the more successful runs in Army football, unless you want to go back to the 40s, right? Or maybe the 50s, unless you want to talk Red Blake. You know, this is one of the more successful runs for an Army football team um, and uh, under a coach. And you look at what more, what, what, what more can he accomplish at West Point, right? Has he done just about everything he, he could at West Point. And we go, I go back personally to the, the games that you were talking about, those Oklahoma, Michigan games. And now they have Wisconsin on the schedule this year. Yeah. And that I think that's a, maybe one, a win over those, those big power five programs is really what's that, some unfinished business, so to speak. I, I think, you know, every year there's one national champion um, in college football. Um, and, and those are big games. I mean, I get it. If I was an Alabama person, I'd, I'd be pretty happy with Alabama football. We have that that emotion level every year, you know, against Navy. And then I think, like you said, we have these added these added pieces now, you know, where 
you know, you and you look at the way that the coach and, and team set their goals at the beginning of the year. Um, it's not just beat Navy, right? They have a bunch of other things, beat Navy, commanders and chief trophy, winning records. Um, I mean, they're, they're certainly setting their, their sights high. I, I think like you said, it's, it's, and I actually, I, I said almost the same thing to my wife the other day when we were talking about the value of staying at West Point um, to beat, you just said Red Blake's name out loud. Right. And you, I did, I did. I said, you, I said Red Blake. Right, yeah, and, you, yeah. and you said it in conjunction with coach Munkin. You know, I mean, I would think there's some real value in life to being 50, 75 years from now uh, mentioned like that um, as, you know, a, a real, a real just stalwart of, of army football. Um, it's interesting. Every time you show the army Navy game on TV, they go back to those names and they talk about those names. And uh, now that said, it's easy for all of us on this side to say that it's not our livelihood. It's, you know, they're not our dreams. And, and, uh, but, um, but you know, I'll tell you what would be pretty good. I, the goal I would go for is 15 wins against Navy in a row. That's what I would go for. And, uh, you know, and, and we'd have them around for a long time to, you know, yeah. well, at least for, you know, another uh, 13 or so. So anyways, um, I'm, I'm just really pleased we stayed for whatever reasons it happened. Um, you know, I'm a Catholic. I believe there's a reason for everything. There's a reason he came to West Point. I don't want to get all philosophical here, but um, but I'm really pleased he came. Yeah, and we, uh, talk about the uh, the importance of the Navy game and you know the, those Commander in Chief's trophies. When you win three of the, three of the last four years, you you won the Commander in Chief's trophy. Obviously, there's something special going on there. And also, now you look at what they have coming back. I mean, what the COVID season kind of really build their depth. They have a lot of young players that maybe they started a game, maybe they started two games, but it's close to like between 35 and 40 players that are returning that started in a game last year, yeah. which is, I mean, the depth is really deep. I mean, they lost up four out of five offensive line starters, right? But seven guys return who started a game last year. It's just, <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, are they, do they have the uh, years of experience of a Peyton Reader or a J.B. Hunter? Not yet, but, yeah, I'm telling you, those young tackles that they have, Jordan Law and Connor Finucane, those guys are going to be starting as sophomores, and they're going to be – I think that those guys have the potential to be as good as Brett Toth, who is now playing in the NFL. I just think I just think they're that they're that's where the recruiting's at right now for West. Well, the man says you know so you know the word recruiting right. I mean, I, is there a better recruiter in football? I mean, he's he's the coach. You know, coach and, and his team have to you know and, and his and his coaches they've got to go into a room and convince somebody who might have legitimate opportunities somewhere you know in in a, in a power five um, to come to West Point. And I think you know certainly. It's it's a different as you know it's a different choice college wise um, number one, but his ability to just talk about you know building a program that has is is character um, I think a, a character based organization um, I've got to believe that that appeals to a great number of, of parents um, aside from the army side right I mean just and and you know I mean by extension I would tell you and and we see this so. We're spending a ton of time here at, at the first division right now where we are really trying to ensure that our folks understand that we are when, you know, so when General McConville talks about people first, that's that's not lip, he's not paying that lip service. Right. He is. He really means that. I mean, 
I, I don't know General McConvo very well, but I know him well enough to know that he is very, very sincere about people first. And, and I, I could not agree more with the chief. You know, we, we've, we have focused for you know, nine months up here on people. And we, we, we say, you know, our, our motto at the First Nation Division is duty first. Um, you can't change. You can't change, you know, 100 years of great history. But we added people always. And then the last piece we added was all else follows. Right. So the thought that if, if we're taking care of our people, if we if we're genuinely concerned with our people, if our people and their expertise is is important to us and their families, if we're doing that and we value them and we respect them and they value and respect one another, then everything else we do. We'll do better. We'll shoot better. We'll move better. We'll communicate better. You know, we will be the the division in combat that, that the the army and the and the nation needs. I, I tell you that because I think you know programs like Army help us with that. When you when you demonstrate character on the football field, when you demonstrate character when you go and you recruit people, and you start with people of character and you make them stronger in that character through a bunch of ways. And they do that there at the Academy and, and certainly in that football program, it helps us in the army. I mean, we're able to use that as an example of, of all else follows, right? I mean, beating Navy happens when your team is working together. When you talk about injuries coming out of the offensive line or otherwhere or otherwise, you know, when you have a group of, of, of men, in this case, that come together and fill in those holes because they're 100%, all else follows. You know, we beat Navy, we beat Air Force. Um, anyways, I don't mean to wax poetic there, Sal. But. No, I think that's a good point because I think that, yeah, it's great. Um, Jeff Munkins brought a lot of winning football to West Point, right? But I think you can't really underscore – his um his influence on the players as far as building the, that culture and getting them you know to a point prepared for what they're gonna face later on in life you know I mean it, there are a lot of life lessons that on that on a as a football player at, at at any school but at West Point maybe even more and I think that not only is you know yeah successful football program but like you said the building and mold and building those 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 they're, they're really young. They're, they're young teenagers when he gets them most of the time, you know, and, and he turns them into, uh, by the, the, by the time they're done in four years, they're, they're men ready to serve the country. And, and, you know, I look at like guys like Bryce Holland, John Voigt, who they recently had, um, um, Darnell Woolfolk. I can, I can, you can go through, the, I'm, I'm, I'm speaking of army captains, basically. Yeah. Dorothy Monk, yeah. that's right. Andrew King, who's now going to be, who's now going to be a Jag down the road. Um, Jeremy Timph. I mean, you can you could just go on forever. And now this week, uh, the team will vote on the next captains of the 2021 team. And um, no doubt, I mean, look at look at Mike Johnson, 2020 captain, right? I mean, Mike Johnson, um, a guy who had battled injuries um, early in his career. He started his freshman year, but then an ACL injury kind of slowed down his his progress. And now you look at him as a 2020 captain, right? Yes, he was in his. He was a December grad, um, or December or early, you know, early January grad. But you look at Mike Johnson, and we'll, we'll forgive his headbutt to Mike Vitti, fullback <laughs> coach. And, right, we'll forgive that. But look at that bowl game. I look at that bowl game, and when Army scores a touchdown, and it looks like there could be like a little skirmish between Army and West Virginia. Mike Johnson steps right in there, points to the sideline, and basically tells tells his teammates. 
get the blank on the back to the sideline. That's it. You know, you're seeing a little bit, a glimpse of that leadership um, on the field that, you know, you'll see down there. Maybe you might see down the road, you know, I mean, maybe that, that correlation, maybe I'm a little off on that correlation, but I just look at that and I say, wow, you know, the first, so the first Lieutenant I met here, I went, so I got here in August um, and uh, basically immediately went to the national training center at Fort Irwin. And so I, I'm, I'm flying around in this helicopter and I'm going out to link up with this one company commander. And um, so the helicopter lands in the wrong place and it just sees a bunch of vehicles and assumes that that's where the company commander is. We land, I jump out and I walk over and there's this giant, I mean a giant, and he is standing over the top of this, this uh, mechanized vehicle, the, you know, the mechanics are in there. He's got his head in there and he comes out and it's this, it's the first Lieutenant. He's the XO of, uh, of the company and the squad or the troop. It was a cavalry squadron. He's the XO of the, of the troop. And, uh, and, and he's like six, five, he's gotta be two, two fifty, two sixty, Right. But not, not, not an ounce of anything but muscle on this kid. And, um, I just looked at him and I go, where did you go to school? And he said, West Point, sir. And I said, please tell me that you played football. And he goes, oh, I played football, sir. And and so we start talking, you know, we're in the middle of this exercise. And we start talking Army football. It's hotter than hell. He's trying to get vehicles working. But we are. We're talking about Coach Munkin and about the way that he instilled, you know, discipline and, you know, loyalty. I mean, all of the things that we value in the Army that he instilled in that team. And I just believe, you know, it's not possible. It's not possible to instill character in an organization without demonstrating that character. And I think the Army football team does that pretty well for us. Yeah, we were talking a little bit about recruiting in, 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 earlier in the podcast. And I look at, you know, when you're talking about like six foot five guys and like, you know, really, you know, um, put on, you know, to say 250, whatever. I mean, that's now the norm at West Point maybe a little shorter, but that's now the norm when before Munkin came, I mean, there were guys that were playing on the line that were, you know, 240 pounds back in the day. There was a different philosophy when Jeff Munkin came and, um, you know, they've really um, done work in the weight room. They've had some really good strength and conditioning coaches right now. Connor Hughes is in charge. He's doing a great job there. I mean, you just see the gains. I look at like a guy like Alex Aukerman, right. Who, uh, who was recruited back in the day to play safety. At Army, and then he, by the end of his, um, by his senior year, he's 260 pounds playing a down defensive end like linebacker. And I'm telling you, Alex Aukerman was one of the more versatile defensive players that I've ever seen at West Point in my time as beat writer. That guy could, that guy could rush. That could, guy could cover passes, and he was just a tremendous football player. And that was a time when Army was on the comeuppance, right? I mean, that was a time when they were they were breaking that streak. And that was a time when they were winning 10 games. And I mean, I just look at it, it's such a different, I mean, as, as, a, as an Army football fan, right, to follow the progress of the program and just see the difference in what Army is putting out on the field now. It's just yeah. incredible. Well, you know, the, the K-State athletic director, um, he is. He was the AD at Navy for a long time, and we had a conversation. We were at a baseball game a few weeks ago, um, having a conversation about you know Navy football, Army football, and I said to him, I said, you know, 
what you all did a while back is you, I mean, you demonstrated that you're willing to reach into a, a different level of football, but pull a winner out, right? Because if there, there is a lot to bringing somebody that knows how to win into an organization at whatever level. You know, I mean, look at the movies. I mean, I, I mean, I know the movies, but I mean, Hoosiers, you know, Hoosiers, they, they brought a guy who knew how to win basketball games and they, and they put him around these kids who were willing to play the game he wanted. I just think, you know, Army, Army figured that out. And I think, you know, if, um, you know, I'm reading, I'm reading General Caslin's book right now. Uh, I, I saw you had him on a previous podcast. Yeah. I, I'm reading his book, The Character Edge. Um, which, which you know, you would you would assume there'd be some army football in there, and uh, from from General Caslin, and I'm happy to say that that's the truth. But you know, he he draws comparisons about character and and uh, and connects them in, at times in his in his book to army football, and I I think there's some very good truth to that. And uh, so, as as an army officer, as a West Point graduate, and an, as an avid football fan of of you know army football, I'm really I'm really proud. Um, of where we are and you know and, and I was there listen I was there every every year for 14 I was I was waiting for that win I felt every year we could do it but now you know you almost the sad part is now you expect to do it right I mean because you know that they know how to win and you know that they know what character looks like and you you expect that and uh, you know we're getting a little greedy I imagine but boy it's fun yeah, no doubt. And like like I said before, I mean, this team is looking um, – I'm writing a freelance um, magazine preview tonight after the podcast. I'm finishing it up, and I'm, you know, they want like an overview, right? And I'm looking, like, I'm, I'm looking at, wow, what this team returns. And the expectations are certainly higher than last year's, last year's nine-win team, right? And, um, you know, it, it's going to be interesting to follow this team because the schedule is a little tougher. With, yeah, you're at Wisconsin, but you're also playing – um, at Ball State and at Liberty, who were really good teams last year, and with the NCAA rules, I mean, a lot of these guys are coming back. You know, these teams are coming back more in whole than they they were in the past. I mean, you can get it, you can get another year from the right. pandemic. So, I mean, like that Liberty team, I watched them against Coastal Carolina last year. That team can play. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, that's gonna be that's gonna be, and that's a test in November. That's a November test when you've been through some battles already. So the depth that army's building is going to help them out. Like it did in that, in that back-to-back Navy and air force time, I think, um, um, you know, I just, we, we, we must talk about your, um, your, your tailgate, you know, your famous tailgates, I guess we can say, right. Are they famous tailgates or are they not famous tailgates? Well, they're, they're not tailgates as much as they are army Navy parties in combat. I, um, when, when I was younger, as an officer, I, I don't know, you know, what units, but I can recall people talking about things like, um, you know, Founders Day. I, I did a Founders Day in Honduras when I was a lieutenant. I was responsible to set it up. And um, and then as a battalion commander, I had this program where and I stole it from uh, from Lieutenant General Carrilla, who's uh, an 88 graduate. But, you know, he had a, a shadow program as a battalion commander when we were in uh, Iraq in, um, in 0405, where essentially a lieutenant would follow or an officer would follow him around for a week whenever they were brand new. And so I, I did the same thing as battalion commander. So, you know, before and after combat. So I'm in combat, I'm in Afghanistan and I had these two brand new lieutenants. And, uh, I said, I said, Hey guys, you know, uh, we were sitting waiting for a helicopter one day in a really nasty part of, uh, of, 
Erzgan province. And I said, I said, Hey, you know, I'm talking to him. I said, where'd you guys go to school? Both of them went to West Point. I forget what year now, but uh, both of them have gone to West Point. And um, I said, wow. I said, that's perfect. I said, you know, we've got the army Navy game coming up and I, I need somebody to put together the army Navy party. And they said, they said, all right, so, you know, we got it. So I said, Hey, a couple, couple things about it. I said, I want to do it outside because we wanted to be able to smoke cigars and it was cold. So because we're outside, it's got to be heat. And, um, you know, and, and aside from that, everything is generally you know, normal. We want to be able to watch the game and have some food and this or that. But I said, here's the other thing. I want to shoot star clusters every time Army scores. So I want to be able to shoot, you know, basically a firework up in the air. Oh, okay, sir. So on the day of the Army-Navy game, these guys go to work. And on the day of the Army-Navy game, I go to walk into my headquarters and walk into my little office. And when I open the door, there are all these people around watching me open the door. I'm like, what the hell are you doing? I open the door, and in my office is a goat. And it's got this, I mean, like a real goat, right? And it's got this yeah. thing around its neck that says, I am Bill the goat, please eat me. And I'm like, what the heck? So they come and they take this goat and they walk around the back of the headquarters. And they have, I mean, they have gone all out. There's all sorts of food. There are these big 55-gallon drums with fire coming out. They got the, the, the game being broadcast. And they take that, they, they come out and, and on one, they got this giant grill. And on that grill is a goat. That goat is being grilled on the, on the, on the grill there. And, um, and they're like, hey, sir, you know, the, the only bad part was we couldn't get all the same kinds of star cluster. You know, we have white and we have green and blah, blah, blah. And I said, well, hey, we'll use green for touchdowns. We'll use white for, uh, for field goals. And I said, oh, okay. Well, then they took that other goat and they tied it off to this to this like tent stake or something. And I kind of felt bad for it because it had to watch the other goat being grilled, which I think was probably somewhat tortuous to goats. But but it was a phenomenal party. And it was the year that Army Army fumbled the ball on the two yard line right at the end of the first half. You know, I mean, they weren't they weren't oh, yeah. out of it. And then they did that. Yeah. In the second half and like the third quarter. I think they scored a couple times and we fired off these star clusters. Well, the next thing you know, the Taliban starts rocketing us. And uh, so we had to watch the rest of the game indoors because, you know, Taliban are Navy fans. And so, uh, so yeah, that was the one. And then two years later, I was back in Afghanistan as a brigade commander. And uh, we did the same thing, except we were in Kandahar Airfield. And my, my, uh, my TAC or my security platoon, they, they fashioned this spit. It was amazing. It was, and they, they had a goat on the spit and for 12 hours, somebody rotated that goat over the fire. I'm, I've never seen anything like it. That was the year we got blown out where, um, gosh, I think the score was like 30 something to seven. It was horrific. Okay. General. So general Thompson, JT Thompson was the DCG of the, the division I was serving under. And, uh, and he came over for the game and, you know, as a, as a, as a, uh, you know, I don't think he had been the com yet. He was, he hadn't been the commandant yet, but he was, you know, avid football fan, football player at the Academy. He was, he was as, as, uh, as vocal as we were about, you know, the fact we were getting beat. So, so soundly, but um, so, yeah, so I've had two in combat. Well, I've had three in combat, big parties, two of them where we actually cook goat. It's easier to cook goat in a place where they eat goat all the time. Nobody gets concerned about it, but uh, yeah. Anyways. Um, just um, 
so the 2021 game is going to be at MetLife. Um, is there a chance that we'll see you there? Or? I don't know that I'll make it out this year. I think, uh, you know, I watched the game here last year with um, one of my battalion commanders had a big party, and it was a lot – even in COVID, it was a lot of fun. We did it outdoors. It was like three degrees, I think, but we had a bunch of fire pits and – um, and like you know, I mean, you can't watch that. You couldn't have watched last game, last year's game, and been cold. Um, and uh, I think we'll probably watch it out here. This will, uh, this should be another one out here at Fort Riley, Kansas. But by gosh, you'll hear me back there on the East Coast, right? I mean, it, it just like it just seems like just the passion, right? The yeah, uh, growing up a fan of the program, right? Then being a West Point grad. You know, going three and one while you're at West Point, and then following the team ever since then, and be going through, like you say, some pretty dark times. And now this year, to uh, this, now in the present to come out of it right now. I mean, it's you. You've been through just about every a, a, a lot of different scenarios, right? So, Sal, you know, this is going to sound really bad, and this is probably the only thing I'm going to say that's going to cause pause with all of my bosses in the army. But you can tell who's going to win the game based on the level of videos that the cadets and midshipmen put out. And I'm not even kidding. When we were in the dark years, our videos were horrible. But the Navy, had they had a guy, he's still doing them. He's in the Navy now, and he's still making videos. The year we went to the game, uh, the year after they – so it was the, it was the 10th Mountain game the, in yeah. the snow. Yeah. And I knew before we got there we were going to win because they, I don't know what group it was. They had made this video – it was, I forget the name of it, but oh my God, it was so good. I'm watching it on the train there in Philadelphia, heading towards the stadium, and I'm like singing parts of it. And my daughter, who was, I think, probably 16 at the time, is like, Dad, cool it, cool it. Nobody cares. But man, that thing was good. You knew we were going to win because we just, we had the swagger, you know? Yeah. So Coach gave us the swagger. The Academy, I think, you know, General Caslin and General Williams, they've given us the swagger. But in the end, I mean, it's the those young men who uh, who come together every year and, and create that team, and and the men and women who support them there at the academy, and and all of us out here, this long gray line of people, you know, I, my good grief, I mean, if we went on, if we we don't have enough time to talk about all of them, right? I think you talked to Steve Carpenter, you know, Steve Carpenter who worked for me in the Pentagon, who, you know, I mean, you talk about hard, right? I mean. You know, when you know that George Marshall quote about wanting a football player, I mean, that that's that's Steve Carpenter worked for me in the Pentagon and, and the kind of guy that would literally, you know, he'd run through a wall for you if he needed to. That's what that that academy and that's what that team represent. They represent men and women who would run through a wall for another human being. And many have, you know, many have through doorways that they didn't know what was in there. And it, it's it's reflected in that game. And as one fan out here, one graduate, I am I'm really honored to be associated with them and with the academy. Yeah, I was going to ask you like stories about like army football players that you bumped into that you had experiences with, but you know, just that was the first time I met Steve Carpenter, and how you walk away not impressed with a guy like that. I mean, it was just an incredible interview. Just broke it down pretty much what I even give like future cadets a little bit of a preview what West Point. Is, will be like and what your future after West Point will be like, you know, because a lot of these kids, you know, sometimes their first introduction to Army and West Point is through the recruiting of football coaches. You know, some of these kids maybe know a little bit about that. Now maybe they watch the Army football, Army Navy football game. And that's and that some of them do have a, a connection like who, who do have some of these kids are gra are um, sons of graduates, too. But the 
majority of them are just their first time they're hearing about West Point may be a recruiting pitch from a football coach. So. Yeah, I mean, how'd you, how'd you like to be a parent that has no idea what, what West Point is all about? The fact that there's a possibility that when you graduate, you could, you know, you, you end up in harm's way and someone walks into your house to talk about football. I think that's why Coach Bunkin and his, and his coaches are just, they're, you know, above the rest. I think they can walk in there and they can tell you, listen, we're, we're going to play some good football. I mean, I've got examples of that, right? We, we, we've been playing good football for a while. Let me tell you why your son is going to be better after playing football at West Point. And let me give you some examples of, of the men who have left, you know, West Point as football players and are now, you know, captains or majors or lieutenant colonels and who are leading with, you know, just extraordinary, um, you know, character out in our army. Um, you know, I, I, listen, I, I'd, I'd have loved to play, you know, professional sports at some level, I'm sure. And, you know, I know a lot of people do, but I don't, I, you know, I, I'm doing fine in life. But I don't I don't make a lot of money, Sal. I mean, in comparison to to some others. But by God, I'll tell you the things that I've been associated with. You you can't put a price on that. And I think that's what Coach Munkin's able to, to talk to parents about. Um, so, anyways, whatever he's doing, by gosh, it's working. Yeah, I think today, even I look at today's news, right? With Ali Villanueva um, signing a free agent contact with the Ravens and leaving the Steelers. You just want to have an example of, of Army football. I mean, Army. Ali Villanueva is 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 a, is a great example of that with three tours in Afghanistan, you know, Army Ranger, the stories that you hear about him and how he led his troops and how he brought his troops to safety. Six foot nine, you know, called the giant among, I guess, the 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 Afghanistan uh, the, uh, uh, Taliban, maybe out uh, the stories, maybe. I mean, it's just it's just a, that's an incredible story. You want to you want to set an example. Ali's one one of the. The, the brightest ones that you could bring up or the most interesting ones and the most successful ones you could bring up too. not only his, what he's done in the army now, what he's doing now. So I, you know, I'll I tell you, and I, I don't like to give props to the other academies, right. I mean, outside of, uh, you know, when we're talking football, well, yeah. outside, outside of football, I give all the, I give all the props to him, but I'll tell you, I was getting a haircut the other day in Manhattan, Kansas. It's, it's the greatest, you know, little town. I mean, it's, it's a really neat city, but I go to this one barbershop, which I won't get into, but I go to this barbershop and it makes the town even smaller, right? And I'm sitting in the chair and we're talking about all these people, blah, blah, blah. And so my barber says to me, Brian, he says, he goes, you know, a couple of years ago, gosh, we got beat by you guys in the bowl game. And I said, we were like, gosh, we could not control that quarterback. And I said, I don't think it was us. I'm, I'm pretty sure it wasn't us. Well, I don't recall any game against K-State, particularly in a bowl game. He goes, no, 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 it was you guys. I said, I bet it was Navy. And um, my guess is it was Malcolm Perry. And I said, K-State, you know, we, we had the same problem that K-State had. You can't control that kid. And yeah. for just, just a small amount of time, I had great reverence for Malcolm Perry. When you look at Malcolm Perry and what he's doing out there now and you know, I think, again, I think that's just representative of the academies. I think it's representative of the, the, the men and women that we, we are asking to come to, to each of the academies. And, and the, the character that our, our officer corps, our non-commissioned officer corps, and our coaches instill in those young men and women over four years, it's, it's really something else. 
Yeah, and you see this week, um, well, right after the NFL draft, John Radigan agreeing to terms with the uh, Seahawks, Army's linebacker. And what a DA, what a great story he is, right? Coming from a first-year starter now to get a shot at the NFL. And just last year watching him where he was around the football, you know, 99.9% of the time on defense. I mean, what what did you see in him last year just watching those games and, uh, you know, just a, a great example of what if you stick with something and uh, work hard, good things will happen. Well, that's what, you know, that's what General Caslin calls in his book, right? He calls it grit. And, um, you know, I, I, I mean, that's a perfect example of grit. Uh, and, you know, in every game you watch, you know, I, so we watch it out here on CBS Sports Network and, um, you know, and they have this, you know, the, the announcers have just this this connection with those guys. And they would talk about Radigan like just like you did. Right. I mean, with this just awe of, of his grit. And, um, you know, I, I'll tell you, Matt, I, I think it probably says a lot about again about the program, certainly about him as an individual and his ability to, to get after it. Um, and those who, who supported him to get to that spot. Yeah, just an a incredible opportunity for John coming up. And, uh, you know, um, you just look at just another example. Like you said, yeah, um, we, we talked about maybe uh, Army football players in the NFL, but there are so many guys who are having success in the military. Um, I look at a guy like Pat Work. Um, I'm looking to get Pat Work uh, on this podcast because I met Pat Work uh, – years ago at the army football uh football club golf outing social and man what just an incredible person i met him for the first time and looking forward to possibly uh having him on the podcast soon and just to talk about his experiences not only at west point but also as you know an officer in the army gonna like we could we could probably talk all night about stories like pat work and like a john radigan who who down the road will lead We'll lead the units. We'll lead troops once his his chance in the NFL is done. And you uh -huh. know, guys like that that have that quote unquote grit that we're talking about. I think um, you know our country's in pretty good hands. So we're doing this thing out here right now, so called the the Big Red One Year of Honor. We're uh, we've taken this year, twenty twenty one, to recognize the thirty seven Americans who who earned the Medal of Honor as a as a part of their uh, service at the First Century Division. And, and as a part of that, each month we commemorate the, the individuals who earned it that month. And we do, a, you know, we do a ceremony at the beginning of the day. But then we have two leadership panels, one in the morning, one in the afternoon. And the leadership panels are either a valor, victory or virtue month. And so, you know, valor, we kicked off with, with Staff Sergeant David Bellavia, our only uh, living Medal of Honor recipient. He started it for us. But then for our victory month, we had six coaches. We had uh, we had. Coach uh, Carroll from the Seahawks. We had Coach Lori Locust from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We had Coach uh, Chris Kleiman, K-State football. Coach, Coach Pete Hughes, K-State baseball. Uh, Megan Falcon from, uh, from here at Kansas University, tennis. But one of the rock stars that we had was Coach Mark West, who coaches the sprint team there at West Point. Yep. And and Mark and his wife Holly, they're classmates of mine. You know, uh, I guess I should throw that out there up front. They're classmates of mine. Uh, both of them played sports at West Point. Holly was a soccer player. Mark was a 150s player, a sprint football team player. Their son is here at the First Infantry Division. 
got here in January. He played, he was a quarterback for that sprint team, um, you know, a couple of years ago. Yeah. And so Mark, Mark agreed to participate in our victory panel. Oh man, he was a rock star. I mean, he was incredible. Right. And he just, so you, you just talk about the impact that, and it's not just confined to our football team at West Point. It's all of our, all of our cadets, certainly, and certainly sprinkled amongst our, our core squad athletes, both men and women who come out to the, to the army and, uh, and just make us stronger. And I, I think, um, you know, all the folks you're talking about, you know, you talk about Pat work. I've, I've been around Pat, you know, a number of times. I mean, he, he is the kind of person that, you, you know, you're talking about. We, we've got all those young men and women are coming out. They're going to be the next Pat works. Um, you know, they're, they're going to come out here and, and uh, they're going to be the next Steve Carpenters and, and guys and gals who are just going to set it on fire out here. Yeah, it's, it's really, uh, it's really been great to talk to you, DA, about not only Army football, which we, you know, of course, we could talk about for another hour or so, but also like also the military side of it, too. I mean, it's been great getting you on here. And uh, you, uh, JT Thompson, uh, shout out to JT. He helped make this happen. And uh, J, uh, we're trying to get more um, West Point graduates who are now who's serving in the military at pretty high positions on this podcast just to get their stories and just to get their you know, here, there, how they see West Point and what West Point's, uh, how, how West Point's better benefited them and, uh, the military that we have now. So really appreciate your time, DA. It's been a blast. And you know what? We joked around about this, but we're going to have you on as an analyst during one of uh, post game show uh, coming up in the 2021 season. So you'll be reaching Sal, you'll be reaching. Let me tell you, but, uh, Hey, we're gonna ask you to break down the pitch play, you know, the pitch angles and that kind of stuff. No, I, I get you. that. I understand that completely. I, you know, hey, run to the left, run to the right, run to the middle. I, you know, you know, I, I'm I'm really good at that. But um, hey, hey, Sal, let me just thank you. First of all, again, I know it's it's slow season. That's why you had me. But um, well, I'll tell you I, what you do not just for Army football and for West Point, but what you do for the Army. This is a big deal. And uh, anytime we get a chance to highlight character which is what I think ultimately we end up doing when we talk about Army football. Any chance we get to highlight character, I think, makes our Army stronger. So thank you for what you're doing, and and thanks to Ed for the connection earlier, and I, I wish you guys nothing but the best. Really appreciate it, D.A. We'll, we'll, we're going to get you on soon, so, so stay, uh, stay ready. Stay ready. <laughs> I'll be ready. Thanks. <laughs>